Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com and Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's going on in the auction market and be able to track trends and see what the uh, upcoming auction uh, inventory looks like, check out Tractor Zoom and go over to ironcomps.com and that will get you uh, get you the information you're looking for. If you like what you see, use Moving Iron at checkout, and you'll get a nice little discount. Chip uh, Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, and he is kind enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on in the market, and a lot of stuff going on here today. Chip, we got a couple things. One, we've got this massive blast of cold air that's coming down out of the, out of the north there, and... Uh, got some concerns what it might do to some winter kill for some wheat we also have got a, a big report out this week for february which typically isn't a big deal but with all the fireworks that we've seen from the from the uh, usda here over the uh, course of the past couple of reports this report could have a pretty big effect on what we see in the marketplace yeah this uh, you hit the nail on the head usually the february report's pretty much a, a ho-hum affair and, and doesn't really move the market <clears throat> this one, as big as the demand has been, and as strong as exports have been, a lot of people, obviously in the in the marketplace with the market rallying strongly into the report, are expecting a cut in carryout, both corn and beans, due to increasing demand, particularly on the export side. So, you know, the the case now is we got to see that change in in movement from the USDA. The market's expecting it. The price action's telling you that. So we're setting ourselves up for a potential. A volatile day, uh, you know, whether the USDA, um, you know, moves demand higher, how much they move demand higher. <clears throat> They're also going to update world numbers. Uh, so that's going to move the market. And you mentioned the weather, um, you know, here, brutally cold in areas, uh, sub-zero temperatures in a lot of portions of the Midwest and Plains. Is that going to do anything to the uh, to the winter wheat? There's some arguments on that. There's some, some snow cover in some areas that, that might help um you know insulate some of that wheat and but some of that we just won't know you know for a while until this thing comes out of dormancy but the point being with the wheat market is there's there's a lot of bullish things bubbling under the surface with that uh crop as well it just might take a little while to uncover all that number one did we damage any wheat with this cold weather are we going to get some more moisture into spring when we need it 
How's the, uh, you know, Russia-Ukraine crop going to come out of dormancy? Uh, you know, Russia is, um, you know, said they're going to put some sort of mechanism in for, you know, not necessarily a ban, but to, to, uh, to tax exports. And so, um, you know, a lot of stuff working there on the wheat market. And, you know, that kind of falls in the environment where corn is as its own bullish case and, and maybe getting more bullish by the day, depending on, you know, how high the USDA raises these exports. So going to be a very interesting day here today with that report. I think we also get some numbers uh, out of CONAB, uh, which is kind of the, uh, if you want to call it the equivalent of the USDA in Brazil, they're going to come out with their crop estimate this morning as well. So that's going to be closely watched. There's, they're, uh, I think they're about 4 to 5% complete with bean harvest in Brazil. That's a little bit behind pace, but it is picking up steam slowly but surely. And so a lot of moving parts in there as, as always, but uh, we definitely don't have a, a, a slow winter market to talk about here. And, and this thing could uh, gain a lot of volatility depending on what the USDA says here. That comes out at 11 a.m. Central here this morning. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a big one to watch. Yesterday, you know, the, the corn and beans had, a, had just an incredible run-up. Um, both of them finished up pretty pretty well high up in the teens. Um, I think beans were up almost a little over 20. But as you take a look at that swing from yesterday, how much of that do you feel is, is guys already kind of baking some stuff into this to this report? And how much do you feel like there was actually some play there that was that was driving the market? Yeah, that new contract highs in corn yesterday. Beans are, are well under contract highs, but in its own right, beans are a dollar uh, off of the lows from a week and a half, two weeks ago. So we're seeing some big swings in here. Um, you know, can it continue? Sure. I, I think as you get to these levels and, you know, you're approaching some historic levels on the corn market where we've only been a couple times in history, uh, that being uh, 2008. And then again in 2012, which was the drought year, and, and this is an entirely different type situation where you you kind of have a mix, right? You, you, we had a pretty big crop here, but it's more about demand, obviously from China, and then you know maybe a little bit of drought in South America because of uh, their growing season, maybe going to curtail back some of their production potential. So <clears throat> this thing um, still has some legs. Um, you know, you got to feed a a bull market bullish news uh, every day and every week to keep it going. So, you know, I, I think we open the door up here. A, if the USDA doesn't increase demand as much as expected, maybe some disappointment and, and a little bit of profit taking and, and start this whole process over again where you fall back to a level that the commercials start buying it and, uh, you know, just adds to that choppy volatility. But uh, this thing is... Uh, pretty historic at this point as far as the move we've seen you know there, there's no one there's absolutely no one that would have told you you know we'd be knocking on the door of six dollar corn in fact some areas with strong basis I, I saw this morning the st louis river market which is one of the strongest basis markets in the country um has six dollar old crop corn uh cash corn and five dollar um spots in in for new crop cash corn and, you know, just levels you haven't seen for a long, long time, many, many years. And no one would have predicted that. That's part of the reason that these things happen. It wasn't anybody, you know. I mean, five, six months ago, market thought we we're going to have a four billion bushel carryout and sub $3 corn. Here we are knocking the door of, of six bucks. So unprecedented and uh, 
this thing's going to take on uh, a, a pretty wild tone, I, I think. That's usually how these things resolve themselves. It isn't with a, a whimper and you go up and you hit $6 and you just go on a slow grind. I mean, you, you know, you, you uncover some massive wild volatility and you haven't even begun to talk about the acreage battle we've got coming up. You know, after this February report, uh, the market's going to shift its attention to what kind of acreage battle we're setting up, how many corn acres we're going to plant, how many bean acres, what's spring weather going to be like. You know, plenty of uh, things that are really going to make for a pretty uh, a volatile roller coaster ride here over the next few months. Yep, that's that's uh, that's a fair statement to make. There, there's the volatility is is all over the place. You know, if, if you look at all the commodities across the board, all of them are fighting for for acres this coming planting season. You know, whether you're talking about cotton, whether you're talking about corner beans or whatever that might be, there's there's plenty of of uh, of a uh, of a battle there between the commodities, which of which one he's going to get, he's going to get the most acres. So right now it looks like corn's going to be the, our beans are going to be the winner just based on kind of how things are shaping up as, as far as price goes. Well, on paper, they, they are to me. I've, I've been surprised though, starting uh, kind of over the weekend and, and earlier this week, started to see some, you know, private estimates and surveys and, you know, corn uh, was was garnering uh, more of the pie there than what I would have expected. So, yeah. you know, there's some surveys saying maybe four to five million more corn acres. Um, quietly, the the cotton market has been screaming higher, so mm-hmm. it's not going to go away uh, unnoticed and without making people scratch their head in the south saying, "Hey, should we continue to plant the the cotton acres that we've been planting?" So, things shaping up to be a real interesting spring, and then it. It all comes down to Mother Nature anyway. Right. And and what kind of spring we're going to get. Historically, if it's an early spring, we tend to pick up corn acres. Um, I guess you got to bet on an early spring. We've had about three or four in a row, arguably. They've been, in, you know, on the wet side, some of the wettest ever, actually. And, um, you know, if, if you're a betting man, you got to probably say we're going to normalize this thing and, and have a normal early spring. And, uh, and, and that would maybe trend towards more corn acres but it's going to be very interesting into into spring and then you got to play the whole growing season are we going to get enough rain is it going to get hot is it going to get dry a lot of people you know on the the uh, weather side of the equation pointing out the drought map that is very you know very dry in, in many areas and in fact you know has more drought areas showing up on the drought map now than we did this time in 2012 i'm not saying there's going to be a drought i'd probably bet the other way because it's been so well publicized but it doesn't mean you won't have a scare at some point down the road here in june july august so we've got uh, a lot of fun and games ahead of us this is going to be a a real treacherous ride i'm i'm afraid yep all right so let's bounce down and talk about what's going on in uh south america they went from being some fairly dry growing conditions to now they're it's so wet they're having a hard time getting crops planted um i guess as you take a look at that how much is that weather pattern that we see or that weather situation that we see in South America right now um, especially in Brazil Argentina seems like it's kind of the status quo nothing's much changed there but I guess as you take a look at those those two regions uh, that have a big effect on what's going on in the world as far as grain markets go what's your thoughts there and then is that this is that weather pattern playing into what we're seeing happen now with our crop prices yeah, so they've they fought La Nina that uh, 
probably is is going to be something that affects our market, our weather into into spring as well. I don't think that that's turned much. Um, it, and they followed, you know, a typical pattern that uh, during a La Nina year, that is they struggle uh, with, with dry weather. They've certainly seen their fair share of dry weather. Now it's turned a little bit uh, too wet in some areas of Argentina, so their their harvest is, is delayed a little bit. Um, and that's going to push back and, and kind of domino into a delayed start to their second crop corn they have a, a pretty large uh, usually about a two and a half billion bushel second crop of corn down in brazil that they typically export about two-thirds of that crop into the world market so it's very definitely the next uh, say 90 days going to affect the corn market how that crop goes in the ground and what weather they get um argentina has you said a little bit normalized. I agree with that, but they are starting to dry out a little bit, right. and they're a little bit um, further behind on their season than, than Brazil. So it's kind of coming into their, you know, kind of like July, August time frame where they need to see start seeing some better rains, and it's starting to dry out for them a little bit. So that's a little bit of a concern as they finish out their crop down there. Um, with all that being said, and all the struggles that Brazil's had, there's still a lot of private estimates in the, in the 133, 134 million metric ton. Uh, crop size down there and that's a massive crop that'd still be a record some of that's acres they increased you know four to five percent on their planted acres but to have the the weather that they've had and the dry pockets that they've had and still have a you know 133 134 crop if they realize that it's going to be just mind-boggling how large that crop is again we're going to get some updates uh this morning um you know from conab down there as to what that is, and then the USDA is going to put their own estimate out. So that can change and will change, but right now it still looks like they've gotten through that dry weather that they've had um, in, in pretty good shape, but yet, you know, early on in harvest, so that number can change pretty dramatically and, and, and will affect the market if, if we do see some changes there. But uh, still very much uh, a weather market from, uh, from South America and will be on their second crop corn as you get uh, even into the March-April time frame, it's going to become very critical. Uh, a, they get the rest of their harvest on beans done and get that corn crop planted, and, and then how the weather treats them into March and April is going to be key to the corn market. Yeah, okay, so let's jump over and talk about hogs for a minute. Hogs have had a pretty good pretty good run here of late, a lot of exports. Um, looks like the Philippines are looking at bringing in some more imports of, of hogs. They did have a little bout of African swine fever that went through that area but i guess as you take a look at the hog market um it seems like it gets kicked around a lot but it does have some some good runs so i guess as you take a look at that particular marketplace what's your thoughts there and, and how do you see this week shaping up for the hog market yeah the hog market's uh, at least in the often really well we've got a lot of things going there and, and sometimes there's smoke there's fire you know china said that they're 90 plus percent back to normal numbers on their hog herd um not sure if that is believable at this point you know there's too much news out they're still fighting african swine fever uh you know of course the massive buying of of uh you know corn and, and beans would indicate that they are still building that up and, and rebuilding stockpiles there but um you know pretty good exports still you'd think if if they've rebuilt their hog herd they'd slow down on u.s pork uh imports and uh and they haven't yet. And and so, you know, sometimes, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's also some talk out here uh, in the U.S. herd 
of, uh, you know, PERS uh, and some disease issues there that could affect, you know, later this spring and, and into early summer. And so, you know, the hog market looks good. It's responding to these higher corn and meal prices as it normally does. The furs are taking off, making new highs. Uh, I think things look good. I, I don't think they're straight up. You know, you're knocking on the door of, of $90 or, or slightly over in some of these summer summer month hogs. <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to be the one to tell you we're going to 100 or, or 105 in, in hogs, but I think the the uh, all the, the makings are there for a good summer market um, in, in hogs. Now, obviously, producers are going to be fighting increasing feed costs, so we, we need to have higher prices to offset some of that, but I think things look good in, in, in the hog market, especially the deferreds making new highs. I think, um, you know, not a believer yet that that China's fixed all their problems, and, and the longer those big sales of U.S., uh, you know, pork products into China continue, the, the uh, probably the more bullish that gets out into the summer months for hogs. Yeah, so let's take a look at the cattle market now. Cattle market has had a fairly decent run. Looks like um, the the headline in Pro Farmer this morning is uh, bulls maintain the upper hand in the, in cattle futures through uh, product markets uh, <clears throat> through the product market. So I guess you take a look there and see what's going on in that. There's a lot of momentum there that wasn't there even three weeks ago. So I guess talk about what you see happening in the cattle marketplace. Yeah, we're we're slowly uh, we, we've got kind of a a battle going on we, we just slowly improved the the cash market here but the futures market um had some good fun buying and, and the futures market's well ahead of the cash market now we're we're into delivery the the february contracts you know starting to to converge with with cash but you got that april contract out there that was you know 124 and change yesterday and we sold off pretty hard into the close <clears throat> so you've got um you know, a, a big head start on the April uh, live cattle futures to where cash is. We need to see cash, you know, over the next uh, month and a half improve more. So that's kind of the battle, at least between now and, and April. But I think the deferred live cattle are, are a lot like hogs. You know, the, the $5 plus corn prices are, are starting to filter through and, and you're seeing some buying interest in those deferreds. And I think they look um, good longer term historically you know when you see high feed costs the the uh you know the, the cost of deferred uh, or the price of deferred live cattle rise up to meet that doesn't mean it, it producers are going to make a lot of money necessarily because of the higher costs but generally you get to at least break even and, and a chance to make some money on some of those deferred so i i think in the short run here you're going to see some more volatility because the the april contract is is you know, so far premium to where the, the cash market is. Box beef has been on a tear. Uh, it's cooled off a little bit, but, you know, 30-some dollars higher in, in, you know, basically six weeks since the start of the new year. Good demand. We sold 7,000 metric tons of, of U.S. Um, beef to China last week. That's one of the bigger sales we've had in a while, and they've consistently been there every week in, in at least some amount. So I think that's a good sign, too. So, you know, you get people back out, um you know, into restaurants, there's more and more restaurants opening. There's this pent up demand. Uh, I think things look good out into summer, but again, we may have a little bit of a bumpy ride in the short run here, say between now and, and April 1st, because of the big premium that the April futures already have to where the cash market is. Cash market could rally six, eight bucks. And, 
you know, maybe not affect that April contract much because it's, you know, trading that much above where the cash market is currently. So interesting, uh, you know, six weeks ahead of us, but I think longer term things uh, are looking brighter and brighter for our livestock markets in general out in the summer. Starting to look like that way, Chip. Well, good stuff as usual. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you guys do at Blue Reef uh, Agri-Marketing and also maybe ha- have some questions about a plan or or maybe tweaking a plan because as the way these markets are moving right now and all the different moving parts that we see coming at us right now, there are plenty of reasons why the plan you made in January may not be the plan you need to have going in going into uh going into March here, going into plant season. So if folks want to reach out to you and, and talk to you about that a little bit, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, best way is just call our office. It's uh, 309-550-7213. I'm happy to talk to you and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this thing's changing uh, rapidly daily. So you, you need to, A, have a plan and B, you know, be able to adjust that plan and execute it when, you, uh, when the time's right. So uh, we'd be happy to talk to you and, uh, and chat about that plan. Right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, the Moving Iron blog will be posted there as well. Also, go over to movingironllc.com, another great place to see everything that's going on with Moving Iron Podcast and the Moving Iron Summit that happens in September 15th through the 17th in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you want to see what Chip looks like? Check out the Moving Iron Podcast market contributors, and you'll be able to see Chip with his bio there. And, uh, all, this, all the good stuff he's uh, he's got going on there. So check out the Dryline Farmer podcast. Good friends of mine named Brent and Landon uh, do that, and it's a, it's a good, entertaining podcast. You're gonna you're gonna like what you have there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, and with Chip Dellinger, let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Move